Data Stories is supported by Tableau Software, helping people see and understand their data. Get answers from interactive dashboards wherever you go. For your free trial, visit Tableau Software at T-A-B-L-E-A-U software.com slash data stories. That's T-A-B-L-E-A-U software.com slash data stories. Hi everyone, this is Enrico, Data Stories Special Edition. I am here with Moritz sitting <laughs> yeah. next to me. Which actually, is a special in yeah. <laughs> actually in the same room. Actually in the same room. And we are reporting from BIS 2014 from Paris. That's right. That's pretty unique, Moritz. We are here. In the same room. In the in same a, room. In a good city on, at a scientific conference. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's quite interesting. For the record, it's Tuesday, November 11th. So yes. we will try and record a snippet every day yes, and sort of Frankenstein an episode out of that later. <laughs> so we will be reporting every day from the start of the conference yeah. until the end. Yeah. And so what happened today? Um, today was sort of the official start. There yeah. were already two days of workshops and tutorials. And today we had the, in the morning the keynote by Alberto Cairo, which was nice. Yeah. 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 So b before we go into that, I'm just wondering, maybe some of our listeners don't know exactly what this is. So uh, in case you know what this uh, 2014 is, is basically the Academic Conference on Information Visualization or Visualization in general. And this is mostly populated by dirty computer scientists like me. But uh, there are a lot of other people and uh, it's a very open community. Yep. And what happens is that computer scientists or researchers in general publish papers there. And most of the conference is about presenting these papers. But there That's are a true. lot of other events like panels, yeah. Yeah. workshops, uh, interesting talks. Um, parties. Parties. <laughs> lots of parties. Yeah. And uh, and you, you've been organizing something here as well, Moritz, right? Have I? I mean, uh, yeah. So we <laughs> had a tutorial. We had a tutorial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, one thing we should also mention is it's three main tracks. So there's scientific visualization, yeah. visual analytics, and the InfoVis. And InfoVis is probably what's closest to what our listeners yeah, might be, I think might so be into. Too. Yeah. yeah. And maybe also the, the visual analytics track, which integrates a bit more of data science and interactive visualization. Anyways, so I did a tutorial with my old pal, Dominicus who you might know from now a couple of episodes and occasions. And we did a tutorial on everything except the chart. This is how we call it. And it was about all the little things you need to do to make a web-based visualization actually successful, like all the things around it, like how to draw people into the visualization, how to make it findable, shareable and um, responsive and all the, the tricky stuff that goes into the last everything 20%. but the viz everything but the viz so you actually create a band with this name yeah everything but the viz <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and it's a good very applied topic so we yeah it was a bit of war stories from our project <laughs> and we tried to share as much practical insights as we could and i think it was it was okay it was quite quite well received in the end yeah nice hmm? nice so this was yesterday yeah yep 
And today, the, yeah, there was the keynote by Alberto Cairo, which we yeah, also had on the that. show. That was interesting. Yeah. He started slow so and very basic, I think. So he told us about how he explained his little kids, why planets don't stop spinning, which is an interesting question, like scientifically, of course. I think actually it was a little spoiled because I saw parts of his talk somewhere uh -huh, else. Uh -huh. So it was a little hard for me to, to, to follow. I yeah, know, you know and in the beginning, I wasn't really but sure where he was going, if he was wanted to go for the value of illustration or explanation. Yeah. But in the end, his point was... I think he spent a lot of stay time... To talk a about, curious child, right? I think he spent a lot of, a lot of time talking about uh, truth and truthfulness. And I think one of the major points he was advocating for is that in visualization, we are very much concerned with... Historically, we are concerned with clarity. Mm -hmm. So we should strive for clarity, especially if you get yep. advice from the sure. standard Tufti or even Stephen Few. It's mm. mostly about being clear. Yep. And I think he was raising a good point that you can be as clear as you want, but still communicate yep. distorted information. Yeah, maybe the tacit assumption is, is that the data is true anyways, because it's data. <laughs> yeah. No, maybe that is the tacit assumption in yeah. database. Yeah. And so if you're clear, then everything's fine. And so I think you might. Have I think made it's a, it's a very good there. point, yeah. and it raises. It actually, I think it it actually opens a can a can of worms because yeah. because uh, and we had this little discussion me and you before. I think it's very interesting the fact that um, truthfulness doesn't depend exclusively on 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 the visualization mm. side of things, right? It's mostly about what what kind of information do you decide to map in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I guess that if you are, if you want to be a visualization expert, you also need to have the skills, right? Mm -hmm. You cannot just map things blindly. And I think he raised a really good point. Yeah, it's like necessary, but not sufficient. Necessary, like, but not sufficient. Like this, like, yeah. You still need to create good charts, yeah, good visualizations, yeah. and all the rest. Be, yeah. 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 It's a similar sentiment. So we had a similar sentiment in our afternoon panel so i organized a panel with some of my clients actually which is an <laughs> awkward situation yeah but it worked out so that's yeah. fine and i brought people from the world bank oecd world economic forum and greg McInerney from university of oxford and we talked a bit about how it is to work with like data that is relevant for policy making and policy change and yeah potentially world changing data and if data visualization can help us maybe you know move the world towards the better and of course we also touched on these issues like what the politics and um yeah. responsibilities and of data publishing yeah, are yeah. today and that's one of the big elephants in the room yeah and i think from from my point of view my question is how do you exactly learn this thing in the first place and how do you teach them, right? Yeah. I think I, I asked this thing to Alberto afterwards yeah. and he pointed me to a hundred books. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, For so journalistic practice? No, like, I mean in, well, general. in general. I think yeah. we, we some people call that statistical thinking. Yeah. I don't know if this yeah. is a term that I really like or, or, or this is a, that, that is a good term to describe these issues but mm. for sure i think statisticians are the people who spend most of the time thinking about this issue right more than probably journalists or computer scientists or or other people i don't know what do you think um i think that statisticians are a bit limited in a sense that they only think about numbers <laughs> <laughs> well no i i i, I think i disagree 
I mean, I think there is a long tradition in statistics not to be fooled by data. Being yeah, but it's big. only numerical data in the end. I don't know. I think we could <laughs> actually have an entire episode about that. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to debate right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think the tr truth-seeking process that happens in journalism, for instance, is very qualitative also. Or it takes a lot of the, the meaning yeah, aspects, and, you know, and, and the cultural connotation aspect. Yeah, yeah, and, so yeah. and by the way, I think it, it is also a matter of whether we have the right incentives in place, right? Because it's not just a matter of knowing these things. It's also whether there is a, some sort of market structure that, yeah, that, yeah. that leads people to behave in this way. Yeah. Right? Or so, like a functioning data visualization critique structure that points out problems. Absolutely. Anyways, longer story. Longer story. But yeah, <laughs> and you know what? Talking about the teaching. So I come more and more to the conviction that if we want to make people data literate, We cannot just show them stuff all the time or like reports of how we did it and, you know, yeah, absolutely. do this like, um, yeah, these case studies, you know, I, I said before to you, and I think that's, that's sort of true is if you want to learn how to drive a car, it doesn't help much to read the biography of a Formula One driver. <laughs> so I'm not, now more, <laughs> that's a very more good and more, analogy. yeah, I'm But, more yeah, and more convinced yeah. that if we want to people, To grasp the full complexity of dealing with data, we need to do workshops and hackathons, yeah, yeah. And like you know, But activities where they actually create their own data and understand the the sort of all the small decisions that go into yeah, yeah, a yeah. simple Excel table and It all is... the different representations, how they can fool you, and so on. Yeah, let me provide a counter argument yeah, to that, please, and then please. probably we should stop. Yeah. Um, I think on the other hand, there is this strong sense of that a mentorship, for instance, is very important for people. If you mm -hmm. want to become a real good shouldn't reinvent the wheel all yeah, the time. Exactly. And, yeah. and I I think that the old value of watching how leaders or great people do their work and watching them closely is actually a way to Can learn a lot too. and then develop uh, new skills, right? Yeah, but I think we so need both. We need both. We yeah, need both. I agree. Can we meet in the middle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So, so what else should we say, tell about this? I don't know. I think, of course, today we had a very large set of papers i don't know if you attended any session i was in two sessions uh, they were very like sciencey yeah so i felt i feel very <laughs> smart right now so uh, things are good so maybe we should <laughs> briefly comment on uh, jack one wike best paper award did you see that paper no i didn't see oh it. you missed it i know how yeah. come uh i don't know i was at a meetup i think something <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, a student from Jack One Wike's uh, group presented... Let me see if I can find it. It's a network visualization. It's a network visualization, yeah. It's multivariate network exploration and presentation from detail to overview via, no, via selections and aggregations. Yeah. Um, interesting tool. Um, mm. Very, very interactive. Mm. Probably a little too complex from my taste. Uh -huh. But the basic idea is to basically... So when you have a network data, mm -hmm. uh, and their example was basically flows going from one region to another of the world, and to each node you have associated a number of variables. Mm -hmm. So that's multivariate. How do you exactly explore that? Right, right. Yeah. And there was an hilarious uh, moment during the presentation because the guy said that Jack... Uh, said that basically what they are doing is no longer overview 
um, how is it called? Overview first, first details, on, details demand. on demand, and all the yeah. rest. So they're basically doing the opposite: is is detail first, uh-huh. and then the rest. Overview on demand. <laughs> so the guy said that the, that Jack basically went to him mm-hmm. and pre- and said, "We are doing this," and this thing was basically the name of Schneiderman reverse. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that that was really really uh, <laughs> hilarious, <laughs> and the way he presented this during the talk was really nice. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I didn't try the tool, but they have a URL there, so maybe it's worth I was quite impressed with the Domino tool. Oh, I haven't seen that. Let me know. Or was it Domino? Damn it. I have to to look that up. But it was a very impressive um, tool for, like, collecting or aligning multiple views of the same data set quickly, like... Um, a bit like Tableau, in fact, like, yeah. you know, um, putting, like grouping the data dynamically and then transferring that to another uh, visualization. And what was interesting about it, you could, for instance, build like a parallel coordinates plot and then tie that to a scatter plot mm-hmm. and connect that then to a parallel sets representation mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and everything's connected and you build this long pipeline of connected charts, more or less, which is <laughs> kind of cool. It looks funny and it's, uh, no, and it, it <laughs> represents crazy, also your way you re, you explored the data. Uh-huh. So it's a bit like an interactive Python notebook or so. You know, where you have the sort of path of how you explore the data, but it's reproducible. So Do you know if this is available somewhere? It's online and it will, it's even like web-based, I think, or it should be web-based soon, so you can even try it out. So, so we will post it. We will post the links like when the proper episode is, is done. Right? Okay. Yeah. So let's wrap so, it up here. Good stuff for so, now. We'll see yeah. what happens tomorrow. Yeah. I'm very excited. Lots of good stuff lined up. Ah, and tomorrow we have a data oh, stories yeah. meetup. <laughs> so, so we will <laughs> actually meet real data stories listeners. In a room. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. going to be really, and really cool. what happens. It's I don't know strange. what is going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's I strange. hope they don't bring rotten tomatoes or stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It forces us to stop. Yeah, yeah. but now, we plan to have the soundtrack, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should have the soundtrack on loop. And what's funny also throughout the episode, whenever Enrico and I, we talk somewhere, everybody like turns their head and goes like, am I on the radio I know, now? I know this it's voice. Like, they say. Yeah, yeah. It's like, am I being interviewed? So it's sort of, we're creeping people out. Yes. <laughs> but that's fun too. So um, we'll try and record more snippets throughout the, epi- uh, the conference. And yep. that's it for now, I guess. Absolutely. Cool. Hey folks, it's Wednesday, November 12th. I'm here with Enrico and our special long-time, multi-time guest, <laughs> uh, Robert Cazara. Hi, uh, Robert. <laughs> Hello, thanks for having me. Sure. Nobody's Always a pleasure. surprised when Robert is here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's basically a furniture here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a compliment. A talkative, be a compliment. talkative furniture I'll, I'll at that, but what can you do? Um, so, we are here still at Wisweek. Oh, no, it's called Wiz. I'm, yeah, I'm an amateur, you know, you can see me. <laughs> we had a great meetup yesterday with yeah. a few of our listeners, so that was fun. Thanks yep. for coming. Thanks for coming if yeah. you were there. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. It was really good. And we got a lot of good uh, tips. Yeah. Right? Yep. Lots of good feedback, advice. Yeah. Um, so, very nice. So, Enrico, how do you like the, the conference? Well, for me, it's always great. <laughs> You don't have to ask to me. <laughs> How do you like Proper the conference? That's, I, the, that's the first one. For I like you, it. Right? I feel I feel much smarter now and <laughs> very sciencey. So I know a new a few new formulas and funky words. So mm-hmm. I'm happy. Nice, nice. <laughs> so, Robert, how about you? 
I like it. So I've only really been to the Infovis part this year, and but it feels like it's a stronger Infovis this year than the last two or so. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Overall, I mean, there have always been really good papers, but this this year there were at least two sessions that were really strong, where the whole thing was really good. Yes. And and it's just and I also it seems like the presentations are getting better, and 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 I haven't I only saw. I didn't really see one really bad one even it's true. this it's year. True. There were two yeah. or so that were that were kind of so yeah, so, yeah, yeah, but yeah. all the other ones were really good. So I think it, it feels like things are getting you know people are more prepared and and more rehearsed and and just doing a better job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and even the the quality of the slides. Has oh yeah, <laughs> a few yeah. slides definitely had graphic designers involved. Right? <coughs> Absolutely, yeah, Absolutely. like they were yeah nice illustrations, good ideas, very clean, visually very clean, straightforward, no yeah. big disasters. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. so. Yeah. No, and really, people thought about okay, what is relevant of my paper? Like nobody, you know, goes through the whole paper just exactly. and then and then and then. A lot but of everybody details, thinks like, yeah. which part is actually relevant for the presentation? Exactly. Which part do I lead the readers to to read? Yeah, huh? yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree. I, I I expected much worse, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really positively surprised. Like, yeah. About, yeah, and these kind of super cramped slides, just right. you, you never yeah. see them. Here. No, no, no. So yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, when should we go through the program? So, I think we have to clarify to, to, that today is yeah, Thursday. Yeah, yeah today is Thursday. So, we, yeah, so right. yesterday we didn't record anything. That's true. We recorded something about Tuesday. So, we have um, quite some stuff to talk about. <laughs> we have to talk about what happened on Wednesday and what happened on Thursday today. That's true. Yeah. So, should we start from Wednesday? Sure. Um, okay. We go in chronological order. Okay, so there was a very interesting session on interaction and authoring at Infovis. And I think everyone was excited about uh, revisiting Bertrand matrices. So, um, Robert, you were talking about that. <laughs> yeah, so this is an interesting paper that that had, had them build essentially an interactive version of the the reorderable ma- reorderable matrix i can't quite say it but I, I know what it is so it's basically a physical version of a cross tabulation so you have a, me- a measure that you can that that's represented as a circle or some sort of of uh, visual encoding and then you have two dimensions that you break it down by and you can order it in in both dimensions and bertrand built this as a physical thing but they imp- implemented it uh, in software it's obviously much easier to do uh, to work with that, but they they really very very close to the original. It also looks almost like the, the things that he was doing, mm-hmm. and I liked it because it was really they they had a few extensions to it as well, and it was it was nicely done. It made a lot of sense, and it was perfect for for this year, of course, being right. in Paris and having the Bertin exhibit, and so I think that was that was a very well done. Very nice paper. Do you think was it primarily an homage, or do you think some work will continue along these lines? That's I. I hope that they will continue, yeah, mm-hmm. because they added a few things. They added color, they added glyphs, sure. and a few other things. Sure. So yeah. that could be a nice thing to to just see where that can lead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think we have to explain who Bertan was? Yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah, probably <laughs> yeah, should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Bertan was a famous French cartographer that published this super famous book in our community called uh, La Semiologie Graphique. Graphique, (laughs) And uh, he basically established all the, um, yeah, the fundamentals of of visualization, right? Yeah. So uh, describing, I don't know if he was the first guy who described that, but basically the whole idea that visualization, every 
visual representation can be decomposed into mm-hmm. visual primitives and ways to map yeah. uh, data features to, to, to visual primitives and giving guidelines on what works best. Yeah. I think he was the first person. Yeah, especially this like decomposition approach. Yeah, the this decomposition language approach, approach yeah. that you have like certain like recurring parts that yeah uh, can be combined or modified in different ways. Like yeah. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. And I, he built these physical, like crazy yeah. uh, devices, more or less these reorderable like yeah, grids yeah. of matrices. And he actually made poster prints also with them, right? So, yeah. um, so he was able maybe, you know, you have like an Excel sheet, but in physical <laughs> form, reorder everything by hand and then oh, make yeah, a big print out of it, reorder it again, yeah, make the yeah, next yeah. print, and then suddenly you have big multiples. Yeah, and we have to mention <laughs> that, that he was doing these things in the 50s, right? Yeah. 50s, yeah, 60s. Absolutely. So 60s, when yeah. computers were not yeah. kind of like there yet. Yeah. So, so really, really interesting style. stuff. Yeah, and there hero is this style. very nice exhibit where some of his stuff is is shown. And I think there is also a reorderable matrix there. Yeah, right? they, yeah. they build, so they show yeah. his actual prototypes and he's, he was working on this for decades apparently, yeah. like going through all kinds of different materials yeah. and different ways of doing it. But also they built a wooden version of it so you could yeah, actually do yeah, it yourself, yeah, yeah. which was quite nice. I thought it was a clever idea. Yeah. yeah. Any other good papers from Wednesday? I think Robert was mentioning the Ivy's designer, which I didn't actually... Uh, see, but maybe you can briefly mention. Sure. Yeah. That. So that that is a, a tool that that lets you create um, a visualization on or actually multiple views on a single canvas, mm-hmm. and it's just like dragging things around. I think, and it's very much structured like tools like Tableau or Lyra and and other mm-hmm. tools that mm-hmm. let you build things essentially from scratch. And there's lots of linking in between those different views, which is quite nice. Oh wow! So it's it looked really slick, but I didn't follow all the steps as he was building those things because the the guy I was presenting was really Fast. quick. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see some more on, on like the, the little details when you try to do certain things a certain way. But it was it was very impressive. I liked that a lot. I think that's a little trend of the conference that there were a couple of tools that work in a smart way with combining charts or building like constellations it of is charts. True, yeah. Also the domino system was very yeah, impressive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where you could just dock charts yeah, to each yeah, other yeah, and coordinate absolutely. them and um, yeah. And I think we were commenting before that this year for maybe for the first time there are much more applications and systems and less techniques, yeah. very single. Yeah. That's true. So that that's that's definitely a trend happening yeah. here. I'm missing Many a big position paper though. <laughs> yeah. No no manifestos yeah. so far. Yeah, but no manifestos. Yeah. Well, yeah. You can yeah. have that every year. Yeah. Then we had I, a paper I heard was well received on visualizing statistical mix effects in Simpson Paradox. Unfortunately, I missed the presentation. Oh yeah. But yeah. I really like that. Yeah. I saw all only half of the presentation, mm-hmm. but it's very interesting the idea of. Um, taking care of some of these paradoxes. Yeah. So I think I, I think I kind of know a little bit what the Simpsons paradox is, but yeah. explaining how it works. Yeah, I mean, in <laughs> short, it's easy. just, it's just, if you it's have averages already, yeah, yeah, exactly. if you have averages already yeah, exactly. and they come from populations of different sizes, don't average again over exactly. them. That's like exactly. the rule yeah. of thumb behind yeah. it, yeah. So they build basically visual encodings that expose this problem directly yeah. in the visualization. So mm-hmm. that's really, really interesting. So it's sort of educational about the paradox and also trying to fix it. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I, I didn't read the paper, so I don't know the, the details. But I think the idea is that rather than being aware of the paradox itself, mm-hmm. the way they encode the data mm-hmm. makes the paradox explicit. That's good. Right. That's yeah. that's really good. Yeah. 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 
So the power of vision sets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I guess so. I, I, I was talking with the others just before coming here, mm. and and we all agreed that basically, I mean, that's not the only paradox that you can find in statistics. There are many, many others. Yeah. So I guess that there are many others that we are not even considering. Yeah. 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 So that's that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And um, I think there was another one in the session. I, actually, this session was really, really good. So I haven't seen the effects of interactive latency on exploratory visual analysis, but it sounds really, really interesting. Yeah, so the, what they did was they had a, have a system that works on a large data set, and that is really fast. And that's, of course, the point of what they were trying to build. But then they said, well, what if it had been slower? And there is some liter literature, there's actually conflicting literature that says mm -hmm. sometimes that can be very harmful, but sometimes it can also lead to more deliberate actions. You right. have more time to think, so you, <laughs> you're, you're more deliberate in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But what they found is that, at least in terms of coverage, so this is for exploration of data, it certainly led to people exploring less because it was just more annoying. And, uh, and also have just having, I guess, less of a sense of the data and, and, and less interaction, certainly. But the interesting thing that they found was that when they asked people afterwards, I think a third didn't actually notice a delay. They didn't feel that, that they were being delayed. Mm -hmm. And uh, a number of people, I forget the percentage, like almost all of them, I think, said that if it had been slower, it wouldn't have been a problem for them, which is also kind of interesting. So I, I yeah, so they found some interesting things there. And it's, it's an interesting thing to look at because Interaction, fast interaction, is certainly important, but also it could be it could be useful sometimes to be to be slower, slower and to be more deliberate, yeah. perhaps. But <laughs> in this case, we didn't find that part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, artificially putting hurdles that that that's an interesting concept. Mm -hmm. We had a similar papers a few years back. Yeah, there was a paper visual, on the visual difficulties, difficulties yeah. right? Yeah, that exactly. we, by the way, discussed with with Jessica that's on right. the show. Yeah, that's right. right? Yeah. So, yeah. The controversial one, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And uh, what else we had in the session? That that was really interesting. Um, so we had the one about error bars considered harmful. That was interesting. I think that was a user study comparing standard error bars with other kind of encodings, which is hard to describe on the show. But it's interesting because they found that basically the the traditional way scientists use to to this to show error bars mm. doesn't work very well so and it's better to show a continuous distribution so yeah exactly instead of a hard border where exactly. you say inside is everything's okay and outside yeah i think that the, the standard uh, yeah. way is to have a bar yeah and at the top of the bar there is basically the center of the error bar right. on top mm. So they discussed a lot of problems about this kind of encoding, and mm -hmm. I think so. Mm -hmm. It was credible. <laughs> yeah, convincing. Yeah, convincing. So next year we will see a lot of violent plots. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think they also. I think at the end of the of the presentation, they provided a link mm -hmm. to actually use their their technique. Uh, I think this is another trend I've seen this year. GitHub. A lot of people. Yeah, GitHub. No, everything's a GitHub. In general, I, I've seen a very good trend that people post a lot more information about how to reach their work. Yeah. They are not uh, satisfied only with publishing a paper. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very, very good trend. I mean, I like to say that a paper is the starting point. It's not mm -hmm. the end yeah, point, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that that's a very good trend, especially for an academic conference where people don't actually be content with publishing <laughs> the paper, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. So that, that's yeah. really good. That's cool. Um, next one in the same session. Oh, I really like this one as well. 
four experiments on the perception of bar charts. Um, that's from Tableau, right? Yeah, that's, that's uh, from my colleagues at, at from, Tableau. Yeah. yeah, your colleagues. That's really interesting because they basically repeated some of the classic uh, Cleveland studies, mm -hmm. right? And uh, so for those of you who don't know exactly what the Cleveland and McGill studies are, uh, they, um, so how to explain that? So they basically <clears throat> try to see what is the performance of different uh, ways to encode quantitative information. Mm. So for instance, using the, uh, comparing different, different types of bars. So whether, oh, it's hard to explain. So I think, so they had different kind of bar charts and then they asked their participants to compare uh, bars that are one next to another or bars that are separated mm. or bars that are um, stacked, right? And I don't remember. Anything. But are, are there meaningful differences? Because like well, in yeah, traditional yeah, literature, you know, length is always described as being so precise that you don't have to worry anyways. But not for comparison. But the not comparison for comparison. is much more yeah. complicated. Uh -huh. yeah, and there's like the yeah. separation between the bars and mm -hmm. so on. But the, the point of this paper was to ask why. why yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. So, so this is what Cleveland and McGill did in the 80-something. Yeah. 84. And then they, the, the goal of this work of this paper is more to understand why they get that, right? Yeah. So they have been decomposing basically mm. through some other studies, what are the issues there? What are the exact And that was really, really interesting. Mm. And, and what were the findings in the end? I don't remember yeah, yeah. exactly. Maybe Robert. Well, there were a number of different ways. But I think they had distractors, right? They were, they were trying to see whether the results are due to distractors because in the, in the traditional study, uh, participants were asked to compare bars that were far apart and they yeah. had other bars in between. Yeah. So is it due to the fact that you have bars in between or other effects, right? right? right. And they've been decomposing the whole thing into oh, several yeah. effects, nice. trying to understand which part of the whole effect is due to the, to the, um, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, to, to the, the bars yeah. in between. Yeah, and, to the bars in between if, or if other effects. It's a bigger problem if there are taller bars or smaller bars and the smaller mm -hmm. bars I think were less problematic. And also, the, the the longer the bars were overall was made it easier. Uh -huh. So that, that that's actually interesting because when you think about uh, the aspect ratio of a chart, oh, yeah. usually yeah. you think of a, of, a, of a line chart because there you really care about it. In a bar chart, it kind of doesn't matter, but it, except it does because when you have when you're comparing, it's easier when the bars are longer. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. that that's actually quite quite interesting to see mm -hmm. that that there's mm -hmm. actually an effect there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. And and by the way, I think I I really like the idea of getting to the why of things because in this conference we always have a quite a good number of experimental studies mm -hmm. but there are very few studies that actually try to look into the why mm -hmm. things happen yeah. and i yes. think that that's really cool yeah. so that was widely regarded as the best session and i missed it so <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i saw a paper on that was great actually the algebraic process for visualization design that was a great and paper and for me it was like um, slightly mind blowing. So uh, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, it's one agree. of these great ideas. Great like, idea. Yeah. That immediately once you have heard them, you're like, yeah, that totally makes sense, and you wonder why nobody has thought about it before. And the idea, in principle, is to look at visualizations or compare visualization techniques um, from a perspective of when the data changes, how is that reflected reflected in the visualization. Yeah. So, for instance, if you make a small data change and your visualization changes big time, you're like, hmm, you know, is that is there a good correspondence? Or maybe your data changes, but you don't see it in the visualization. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. a problem. 
right? Yeah. Or sometimes you have like meaningless changes in the data, like just the order of items in the file you're reading. Yeah. Visualization should look the same. Yeah. Yeah. If it looks different, you have a problem. So it's a very nice way actually of talking about that process that should happen. And, yeah, and yeah. they have this algebraic framework. I'm not sure if the algebra is actually necessary. Yeah, so they introduce it with these commutative diagrams where you can go left way or right way and the effect is the same. They never demonstrate that it's necessary to do it in algebra. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I think you can describe it you know, in, in plain English and it totally makes sense. I agree. But, yeah. It's a little <laughs> overloaded, but right. it's fine. I mean, everyone is its own style. Yeah, so yeah it's, it's sort of branding a thought. You know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Like, how can we make it like... Ultra yeah, cool. Yeah. So, but the basic but thought is brilliant, I think. So it is. It is. Not absolutely. to take away from that. Yeah. 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 What's your take on that? That one? Did you see it? I did not see that presentation. Yeah. I'm oh, really sorry good. because that battle really video good. is probably the most the one I wanted to see the most, but then I missed yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so and it reminds me of a cognitive science theory. So uh -huh. um, there is a theory called sensory motor sensory motor contingencies, mm -hmm. and the idea is that we can explain our senses, like what it feels like to see something or what it feels like to hear something. It's not about the absolute stimulus, yeah. like the absolute signal, but it's about the change of the signal yeah. when we change our position in the world or when yeah. the environment changes. So it's never about the absolute signal, but always just about the derivative sort of. Sure. And this totally resonates with that. Sure, and sure. it's a very smart way of thinking about Absolutely. systems yeah. in general and totally yeah, works yeah. for me. Yeah, and I think I also really like the fact that they try to give names to the mm -hmm. effects, yeah. and they give really cool names. The I don't jumbler, remember all the jumbler, the hallucinator. Yeah. I really like the yeah. hallucinator. But I think <laughs> it's very clever because then it's like the design patterns things, right? Yeah. You remember the, the 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 name, yeah. and then it sticks into your mind, right? Yeah. So I'm actually planning to use it for in my class to teach my mm -hmm. students because I think that's going to be really really useful. Yeah. It's a few patterns that once you understand them can be really, really useful in uh, yeah. uh, evaluating and also building new visualizations. Yeah, it's a good rule of thumb, like big difference in the data should be visually salient yeah. and visually salient things should correspond to important <laughs> stuff in your data. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's very basic, but yeah. never has never been formulated that clearly. Yeah. So, brilliant. <laughs> nice stuff. Yeah. Anything else from Wednesday? Um, I just want to briefly mention there was a panel on challenges in financial visualization. Mm -hmm. That's interesting because there are companies out there like Bloomberg <coughs> yeah. who have, of course, lots of visualization, but at the same time, I've never seen anything special in our community. Any pay? Any? Do you remember any paper on financial visualization, Robert? It's rare, right? There have been a few, but but I think it's probably been ten years yeah. since since the last one. Mm -hmm. the, there were a few in like the late nineties and there, probably around the dot com bubble, I would guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. So that, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And then I was in the panel and I asked to the panelists. I said something like uh, what I just said now. So it's really surprising that there's no research in this area. And they were very happy about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I said, maybe it's because you are not funding people. <laughs> Everyone clapped. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, and not to forget, of course, the West Coast party. I don't know if you, if you oh, talked yeah. about oh, the geez. parties in the past, but <laughs> that, was, that was a big one. Yeah. Uh, on I'm, I'm still hungover. Yesterday. And it's 12, uh, 24 hours later almost. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's a good time to talk about our sponsor. Um, data Stories is supported by Tableau Software, helping people see and understand their data. Tableau lets people connect to any kind of data and visualize it on the fly. 
Databases, spreadsheets, and even big data sources are easily combined into interactive visualizations, reports, and dashboards. What is your data trying to tell you? Uh -huh. So <laughs> they also had a presence here at the VIS conference. So of yes. course, Robert. I mean, of but he's Robert. always been around, like <laughs> even before. But they also have a few other researchers. So they have a whole research team. Yeah, very interesting research from yeah. their side. And one of the studies was about. I think we touched on it. The bar chart. Perception papers are really looking at low-level um, uh, properties, like what a fine difference in a bar chart that can make a difference when it comes to readability. It's very practical, yeah. applicable research, but still also interesting yeah, like for was, researchers, right? Yeah, and that's great absolutely, that happens, absolutely. Yeah. I think what I like of that research is that they try to understand why things happen. Yeah, yeah. Which is not common. Yeah, and they also supported the conference, so they were sponsors. So I yes. think that's super cool. And you f you really feel, yeah, it's a product coming out of research and they're still sort of involved in that community. So that's a good thing. So for your free trial, visit Tableau Software at tableausoftware.com slash data stories. Don't forget the data stories part. Yeah, slash data stories. That makes it a better URL. And uh, just if you wonder how to spell it, it's T-A-B leau software.com. So that's French, actually. Yeah. And so we say au revoir and back revoir. to the episode. <laughs> Moving um, on. Thursday. Thursday that's today. today. Yeah, people say. Uh, where do we start? Yeah. I overslept, so I cannot talk that much <laughs> about the morning. <laughs> That's the thing, it's too early. Every day. Yeah. yeah, they start I mean, at 8.30, they make us go ahead. Yeah, 8.30 is really yeah. hard. Yeah, I saw Jack Von Weick visualization of regular maps, that was fun. It's a purely mathematical, like, you know, fun excursion. Yeah, 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 but it was, it was fun. But it, it didn't have any visualization relevance, ultimately. But there was this paper on staggered animation that I thought was pretty good. Oh yeah. That that looked so there's this idea in, in visualization that when you have an, an animation or a transition that you should not, not should not start all the movements at the same time but stagger them. So you do one after mm -hmm. the other. Mm -hmm. And that's been there was a paper by Jeff here and a few others a, a while ago. And it's basically accepted as a good idea. And they were looking into this and they have a study where they basically showed that it really doesn't have an effect. It doesn't actually help. Uh, people understand what's going on, or at least it doesn't help them track the object, so that they should be more careful in seeing that. Hmm. But I have a few issues with their study because they were looking at points moving around, and a lot of times when people do transitions, they move objects that you can identify, yeah, bars like bars, yeah. and you can track because they, they have different heights. If you have lines moving, right. they have different colors probably. Mm -hmm. So it's not exactly representing mm -hmm. what, what would happen in a visualization, mm -hmm. but still, it's a good it's a good idea to question these things just like the, the Cleveland McGill thing or the, the 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 bar charts paper questioned or basically asked why is this the, the case I think this this one is also good to say well let's dig into this a bit and see if this is a real thing and and what it really means yeah. so I, I like that part about it I'm still I still need to really read it in, in more detail too yeah same for me too I was I was really surprised by the methodology that they adopted I think it was pretty new they, they didn't limit themselves to the classic Controlled experiment kind that of study. That was very smart. Yeah, the, the they tried to make the whole thing much more general. So, if I remember correctly, they defined a number of metrics, right, to basically predict which one, uh, which of the techniques available um, is more effective, right? And then they tested it, and once they validated the the metrics, they tried to 
produce lots of cases, mm -hmm. right? How was it? Robert? Well, I think so, they were doing so they use Monte, Monte Carlo, Carlo simulation, simulation to, to predict the, the best the best combination of, of factors of, of parameters. Yeah, and then exactly. They picked the yeah. best one. Yeah. So the one that would have would have shown them the most effect. Yeah, That's exactly. And that was then, very smart. Yeah, so that, smart. the methodology is amazing in that. Yeah. that I would love to yeah. see it replicated in uh -huh. future years because uh -huh. it's and, really, and really just really the same the same structure being used for a lot of other things. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's another trend, I think, like crazy um, evaluation methodologies. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's good. It, yeah. it is really good because, right. I mean, if we keep just comparing A, B and C and, and, and the result is B is, is better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to to yeah to connect all the all these dots, right? No, absolutely. So I think it's it's yeah. useful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, what else we have today? Um, I saw a nice tool. So the paper title is is, is a mess, but um, <laughs> it's called combing the communication hairball, visualizing large scale oh. parallel execution traces lo oh, using logical yeah. time. Yeah, it's, it's it's really good. So it's a nice high end tool for monitoring parallel computation processes and sort of spotting when there is like a bottleneck because one process has to wait for others to finish. And um, they just did two very smart things. Like they use logical time, which means like how the actual program is structured or how the sequence of events is rather than absolute time. And so they could produce a very compressed view. And instead of visualizing the times and the supposed times or whatever, they just had a very clear color coding on what is delayed and what is on time. So, you know, so it was a very smart way of boiling a problem down to a very effective encoding and suddenly had super effective display. So I, mm -hmm. I liked it from a just, it was a solution, you know, it's solving a very specific design problem really well with data visualization. So, yeah, that's good. what we like. That's, that's what I like. <laughs> so, good Do you stuff. have an idea if uh, the tool is, um, well, not the tool probably, but any there is any video on the web? Or yeah, that should be available. There should be something, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then afternoon was was pretty good session, huh? Yeah. Perceptual kernels. Oh, that was cool. Yeah. yeah. Perceptual kernels. Um, Robert, you want to describe that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm passing the ball. It's too I hard. I have to work hard here. <laughs> yeah. Being on the show, so um, the so on a high level, basically what they were trying to do is figure out what are the right the, the what's the right palette of shapes and colors and mm -hmm. sizes, I think, mm -hmm. for for encoding data by looking at how well they are differentiated. So it's, it's well known that there is a law, I think this is Stevens law, but I forget, oh, like, yeah. sometimes I mix up the names, but uh, yeah. that, that basically the, the larger the size gets, the less difference we see between yeah. the, the sizes. It's a power law, right? And, right, or maybe it's smaller in this case, I forget, yeah. but either, either way, there, there's a saturation effect. And, uh, and then there are also these, these categorical things like shapes, for example, and so you want to see which ones of, them, of those are, are, are just read the wrong way sometimes. And so you want to mm. make sure that they are uh, like if you have a star shape and you can only go to so many star, uh, so many uh, pointy. Symbols, yeah. Yeah. So that because if you have 25 of them, you're not going to be able to actually turn them apart from 24 or whatever. So they were looking at, at a, a way of, of establishing that. So doing studies that actually establish what those numbers are and what kind of the, the, the power or the, 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 the exponent is, I guess, for the, for the Stevens law yeah. to figure out what, what kinds of encoding should be used so that they are really the, 
the easiest to, to, to read and to, to differentiate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I found it the smartest for the shape palettes because everybody runs into these yeah. problems. Yeah. There is only like three, four really distinctive shapes like circle, yeah, square, yeah, yeah. Um, across. And yeah, then yeah, it already yeah. starts. Like a triangle is sort of like a square. I mean, it's definitely more like a square than like a circle, you know? Yeah, and you yeah, run yeah. into similarities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they made this measurable and then even had a method for saying like, well, if two data points are similar, why not give them a similar shape if you have to use similar shapes? Anyway? Sure. So, smart. And I think they also created a library that you can download and use directly, probably mm. in D3 or... Probably. Mm. Yeah. Which is really useful. Yeah. And by the way, the symbols and all the rest look pretty much like those that are in Tableau. I don't know. If they well, they took, actually took them from they the. Yeah, they took it from they, they the had yeah. a slide at the beginning where they had uh, yeah. they showed that I think the color palette <laughs> and the uh, and the shapes were taken directly yeah. from there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Next one, another like mind blower. <laughs> 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 Ranking visualization of correlation using Weber's law. Uh yeah. Yeah. It was a good one. I saw only the introduction. Yeah. yeah. What they did was compare many different chart types you could use for judging correlation. So you have two variables, uh, I don't know, income and health or something. And mm -hmm. you want to know, like, mm -hmm. does one cause the other or like, do they often appear together? And usually you would do that. The standard would be a scatter plot, probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And people can judge pretty well. Yeah. Uh, correlation. And there is some sort of a nonlinear effect. Let's say something is super correlated. Then you have a straight line in a scatter plot, like a 45 degree line, and you can easily see if something is like almost super correlated, you know. But if it's like only halfway correlated, it's much harder to judge. So basically, then you need a bigger difference, and then you get the same perceptual effect. And they looked at how well people can judge that correlation between variables, also looking at they said parallel coordinates, but I think it was in the end a slope graph because it oh, had only yeah, two axes. It's only two axes. Yeah. yeah. Um, line charts, area charts, um, uh, radial, radial um, yeah, spider they, things. They called it a, a donut chart, but it was some sort of radial line mm. chart yeah, thing that yeah. I didn't quite that, understand. That was wild. Yeah. But it, a total of 10, I think, <laughs> mm -hmm. different ones. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and did lots of like trials, like how well people could judge So what is the result? Relations. That's kind of plot wins. Correlation. <laughs> Well, first of all, there's a universal law. Like all of these follow the same basic law, but just yeah, different parameters. So yeah, as the Weber's basic yeah. perceptual yeah. features. Yeah? yeah. And that's interesting because it's a higher level judgment that is made. Okay. But yeah. it follows a very primitive, let's say, perception law. Which is the Weber's law, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's just like basically like Stephen's law that there is some exponent yeah. and yeah. that is, yeah. you know, and you have to tune only one parameter, but it's always the same function. Yeah. yeah. And other good news. Yeah. Scatter plots win. And the funny <laughs> thing is parallel coordinates are doing great for inverse correlations, but it's exactly flipped. Like it's high on one axis and low on yeah. the other and low on the one because, yeah. well, well, we'll get to the because, but the interesting thing is, for the positive correlation, they, they perform are very yeah. bad, of very course. bad. Yeah. And so slope graphs are everybody's lines, darling. Right? You know, it's everybody's darling, basically. Yeah, like yeah. parallel coordinates are, yeah, are the stars and the like multidimensional, but also slope graphs, like every designer loves them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so that's a bit of bad news, actually. It is. <laughs> so it's not symmetric, basically. Uh -huh. And so the theory was, and also one explanation, potential explanation is, that people actually use something very low level to judge the correlation. And in the, in the case of the inverted 
um, slope graph that is like flipped, like two th triangles facing each other, yeah. that you actually just judge the height of that intersection area, like the, mm. the minimum area. And then it's a low level task again, which obviously follows one of these laws. Mm. And you can do the same in the scatter plot, like ju just judging the width mm -hmm. of that elliptical shape. Yeah, yeah. yeah. around the line. Around yeah. the line. Yeah. And that could explain it. Nice. Good study. And 200,000 runs like on Mechanical Turk. Like, you know, that's what I mean. It's like this, it's, it's a new age of data this evaluation. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. People are also a bit skeptical. Like, they, often they ask But it's questions. pretty much validated. Mm. It is? Yeah. yeah. For low-level stuff, yeah. especially. Yeah. Even for high-level stuff, Even that's high surprising. But, huh. Yeah. Huh. You have done some of that, Robert. Oh, yeah, yeah. We do it quite a bit, and, and you have to be smart about... Yeah. discarding data when you see people mm -hmm. just clicking through the same thing and but yeah. it's not that hard and it's not that hard especially when you when you threaten people <laughs> when you tell them <laughs> we're only going to pay you if you do well yeah. and give them some sort of of, yeah. of level to reach Proof that, yeah. that has to be realistic and you know and fair but um that that actually works quite, quite well because they're not going to waste that time if, if if they know it's not going to work anyway yeah and so it's it's been really good so I, a lot of studies have been done now on mechanical targets it's yeah. working really well yeah, and you can do lots of permutations at different conditions. And that's also a mention of the perceptual kernel paper. So the guy in the talk actually said the results are only one thing, but actually he's much more, I, th I think he was even more proud about the methodology because they tried out a lot of different things, how to measure these kernels mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and actually can make and meta statements now, you know, how to best set up um uh, a similar similarity judging task yeah but this is what i've seen as i said yeah. I, i've seen many of these instances to right. this year of this yeah really yeah. interesting yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah good stuff um you actually and then we had an, a, a, a visualization literacy study with by some italian guy and some <laughs> french guy <laughs> <laughs> never heard of them <laughs> yeah. enrico who yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell us a bit about it yeah 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 so I, I, this is a collaboration i i have i had with uh, this guy from guys actually from iria jean daniel fequet is very well known he has a fantastic club here in paris and jeremy boy who is the phd student who did most of the work and um, I think that's really interesting because literacy is a super important and interesting topic. And uh, there's basically no research out there. And um, so we just started with our first step. So the idea, the basic idea there is that when you run user studies, especially on mechani Amazon Mechanical Turk, as we just mentioned, you don't know exactly how to measure the literacy of a participant. So the main goal there was to create a test a validated test to measure how literate a person is in terms of being able to read visualizations. Yeah. And this is validated through several, yeah, several studies. And mm -hmm. it was really, really interesting work. But in general, I think the, the whole area of understanding and measuring visual literacy is super important, right? Sure. Especially now that visualization is exposed to a very large segment of the population. I think that's super, super important. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think we have a very good understanding of how literacy works, right? Yeah, and something like everybody talks about it, but yeah, there's exactly. no way into that directly except anecdotal like yeah. stuff. Yeah. And and so I, I really appreciate that, that framework. Yeah, and but but you didn't you basically just present the framework more but didn't present that many findings like 
applying no, that. No, form, there's right? basically no finding there. Right, right. Well, we tried the the literacy test on mm -hmm. Amazon Mechanical Turk just sure. to make sure that it works. Exactly. And we measured a little bit the literacy of, of Turkers, right? Yeah, yeah. But the main goal of the paper is coming mm -hmm. up with a test. Yeah. So test it's more a proof of concept yes. uh, and the framework. Yeah. 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 But the test is going to be available. So if you want to run the test yourself, you can run it. And how does this work? Can you put in your own charts or is it like no, on previous no. stuff? No, well, that's the thing because you have to validate it, right? Yeah. So these need to be benchmarked, these yeah. charts and designed yeah. in a special way. Yeah. And then they are like, is it like an IQ, like a VQ test? <laughs> yeah, how do you, how do you say <laughs> VL test, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, is a, a it is a VL yeah. test. Yeah. You get a score, yeah. but that's important, right? Because in some cases you want to understand, I don't know, what is the visual literacy of your audience, for yeah. instance, right? Yeah. So I think that's that's really useful. Yeah, there was one good remark from Johannes, an ex-master uh, colleague actually from Potsdam. Uh -huh. And he said, why not apply this test before you start a project? Like yeah. on your yeah, exactly. on your focus group. On your like, focus group. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Uh, and everybody was like, yeah, it sort of makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, then we would actually know what people understand. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, 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 good idea. <laughs> so, yeah. No, but I really hope that this is starting a... Uh, new line of research for, for many other people because literacy is, is very important yeah. and not very well studied. So true, th there are true. anecdotal uh, evidence that, for instance, some people don't know how to read scatter plots, right? And uh, scatter plots are almost never used in, in newspapers. I think mm -hmm. you, Robert, know more about that than well, me. Well, I know that, that... I have heard several times that there are some type of charts that newspapers normally don't want to use because they know that, that people cannot mm -hmm. read them. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, and, and that is largely based, I think, on assumptions and that aren't necessarily wrong, but, but there isn't a lot of... There isn't any science that I'm aware of that's actually behind that. There's no evidence, that. really. And I know that the New York Times, I think, or is it the Washington Post, somebody started sending out questions that was not about visualization, but they started basically asking some people questions about certain things. So they had, they would have a sense in general of what people know. Mm -hmm. And so that could be something that they could do also for, for their visual literacy. And then they could say, well, now we know that. 60% of our readers can actually read a scatterplot, at least to the extent that we need it, need yeah. them to. And that's another and type of research that I think we need. We need someone to go out there and classify all the type of basic type of charts and see whether people can read them or not. Mm, yeah. But when you look into the specifics of how to do this properly, yeah. it's much, much harder <laughs> than, <laughs> yeah, than it looks. Yeah, that's true. Right. So if you want to do it properly, mm. it's not easy. I, what I'm wondering is, honestly, is visual literacy a one-dimensional thing? Like, can you express your literacy in one number? I mean, now that I say it, I'm, I'm not really convinced, <laughs> you know? It's yeah. actually the IQ thing brought me to that because people were very excited about the IQ for a hundred years or so. And I don't know. Um, I think by now it's clear it's it's very dubious to express somebody's intelligence in, in one number. And, and maybe there's a similar thing for... Well, I think IQ is something that is much harder to change, right? Whereas literacy, yeah. it's probably much easier to change. Yeah, but I mean the single number thing. Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I think that's another point that you don't know. So if you're measuring a person at this time, right? This yeah. point in time. Yeah. Um, how easy it is to move a person to a higher uh, score, right? Yeah. It might actually be very easy. I don't know, yeah. Yeah. right? 
Yeah, but let's say, for instance, some people are really good with words and they can deal with text-heavy visualizations better. Other people are perceptually... Maybe. Oh, that's another you know, thing. What so I mean, you're talking about the individual differences. No, it might right? be a multifaceted thing. Yeah, I agree. Some I agree. people are really good so at reading So one part is knowledge, how much you know how to read a chart, mm. and another part is more individual differences, something that you just are born with, right? No, I mean, maybe the, the general visual, visual literacy skill or score is actually composed out of, you know, sub-skills. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, sure. And but I think if, if, you know, if this is going to work for the next hundred years and then, then they realize it <laughs> yeah. wasn't such a good idea, I think that, that's a good <laughs> yeah. start. Um, yeah, let's get rid of the Bertini score. Bertini <laughs> score is like totally old-fashioned in 2100, but yeah. we can live with that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, it's a great, uh, it's great, great initiative and a great start. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as I said, I really hope that some somebody else is keeping yeah, mm -hmm. building on top of that mm -hmm. because that's really. really and I think it's our big challenge. So in the in many of the debates and discussions we had around our panel, like the data with the cause panel, and also um, in a working group before, is about data literacy and how we can improve on basic data understanding and make everybody a little data scientist. And this is tied together, like talking about data literacy and also teaching people, you know, all of this needs to go together. Yeah, which, by the way, is not only about a problem, only about visualization, right? No, so we discussed that they, yeah, yeah. the right term is data literacy, because you yeah. might actually have yeah. a perfect chart, yeah. but the data that is behind that is, mm -hmm. is terrible, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and you have to be able to detect a fishy selection yeah, of exactly. data and yeah. so on. Yeah. Yeah. So there's still work to do. That's good news. Yeah. Any any general observations? I mean, it's not over yet. Tomorrow is another half day. There will be a panel from old researchers, Words of Wisdom, which I'm looking forward to, The Capstone by Barbara Tversky, and another session. But still, um, we had a few general observations, like lots of tools, good evaluation. Very good evaluation. No position papers, yeah. great slides. No positions. Any paper. other any other like general observations? Well the algebraic thing is basically a theory paper, right? Which is It's rare. almost a position paper in a sense that oh, yeah. it presents a certain way to look at the yeah. whole field. Yeah. Robert, you anything? Well, I think what what what's interesting what is now happening, even though people have been talking about it for a few years but weren't doing it is that at the end of many presentations now, people will give you a URL yeah, and th that will lead to some landing page where you have the paper and some materials and that can be maybe some study materials, like their results, their actual data or the, and the yeah. materials for the study that they used. So you can re replicate it, maybe a link to a source code, uh, videos and stuff like that. I think that's a really good trend and I hope this is going to continue, but it looks really, really good yeah. now. So I, I like that a lot. No, the general like, um, sentiment is definitely people want to get their stuff out there yeah. and want to have it used you know it's like in the past you were always sometimes you felt like yeah they don't even want you to use it so you don't break it or <laughs> misunderstand oh, yeah. it but this has totally changed I think no and something is changing there. also our workshop on, on web visualization was packed like you know oh, yes. that yeah. was really yeah. full and people did not leave although we had this yeah, yeah, apparently yeah. very boring middle two hours <laughs> of talking about tools yeah. No, but I think, and many people came up to us and said, finally, somebody tells us how to get stuff on the web properly and how to get it out there. And we want to do that, especially the young people. And so yeah, I'm, no, I'm super psyched yeah. about what will come the next years. Yeah, yeah. You know, when they're all like, yeah, next doing year, web native every, stuff, really. And but that too, yeah. A lot of the things are actually running on the web. Yeah. But I guess also the people who, who came to your to your workshop, they're all going to 
uh, start the next year, they're not going to just have a URL, but they're going to have a press kit. You're right. And they're yeah. going to... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a responsive website. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's it. Yeah. That's cool. And I yeah. think the divide between practitioners and academics is, is getting narrower and narrower. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's very, very good news. Yeah. But that's mostly because the practitioners get, get <laughs> much smarter, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's both. I think we have practitioners who are much more interested now so, in what sure. we are doing. And at the same time, as you said, Robert, I think even this idea of publishing things on the web, maybe making things more accessible is a sign that people want to have an impact in the real world. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what that's publishing important. should be all about. I mean, it's about making it public. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Good point. No, I, I absolutely agree. And I, I also have to say, generally, I think the atmosphere at the conference was great. Like, very friendly. Everybody was constantly, everything, you know, all the crowds were mixing up. up. There were no camps or no... No, no. But this Funny eyes, no like eye roll or something. No, this no. has also been very, very friendly. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that it's a great community. And, and there aren't any... Cliques or clubs or you yeah. know schools of thought that hate <laughs> yeah, each I mean. other. It's yeah. it's it's really great. It's a really very healthy community. I think, yeah. So. Yeah, but I've been to other scientific conferences where I had a different feeling. Like yeah. where people were a bit more insecure, a bit more in camps, and mm. yeah. there was not this lively, um, lively coming together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and lots of parties. <laughs> that too yeah I'm pretty exhausted man and in a week of vacations when I come home I can finally get back into the office yeah. uh, get some proper sleep yeah <laughs> yeah cool I think we can wrap it up here absolutely yeah, yeah. thanks Robert for coming so thanks cool thanks a lot always Thank good you. always good and we'll have another half day tomorrow and then going back home yeah cool. done next yeah. year hopefully yeah hopefully. Yeah. Somewhere in America. Somewhere. What is next year? Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thanks. Still in Paris. Yeah. It's the last day. Yeah. Conference has just ended. Friday. Looks pretty sad outside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everything's being disassembled. We found a quiet room here. Yeah. Halfway quiet. That yeah. they might kick us out at some point. So I think we should just wrap it up. And uh, so today I missed basically everything. <laughs> <laughs> These conferences start way too early. I think yeah. we can agree on that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the main highlight today was the capstone mm -hmm. from Barbara Tversky. Yeah. She's a famous uh, cognitive scientist from Stanford, I guess. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Moritz, you have some comments on the, yeah, so on she, the keynote? She, no, yeah, she, capstone. Yeah, the capstone, cap, cap note. Yeah, cap <laughs> note. <laughs> so, yeah, she talked about how we, first of all, segment events and how we, you know, on which level we say, okay, a new action starts here and how they're connected, how we make sense out of this continuous stream of things. And then she sort of applied that to visual storytelling, I guess, or to... Ha -ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also explained quite well, I think, what makes a, a story and uh, like a sequence and drama around it, human identification and, you know, all these things. And also contrasted that a bit with explanations or other types of, of discourses. So she was also talking about language 
Yeah, actually covered quite a broad range of things. And mm -hmm. it, it was a good, a good uh, capstone. It's just, I think, like, if you know the discussion and the data visualization scene, her input could have been even more focused, you know, if she maybe, yeah, you know, if, if there would have been like a round table or like, uh, as an isolated talk, it was nice, but there, there would have been, yeah, we yeah. could have gone more in depth what it means. And she said an interesting thing that in her view, interaction disrupts, um, Storytelling. Yeah, that was interesting. Which I totally agree with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we should stop creating interactive no. visualizations that and call them storytelling. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So I think in the end she was she was skeptical of this. Uh, yeah, uh, but she also said like that's the upside of obviously of interactives and and exploratory interfaces that you can have lots of stories, which I've been of course preaching for years now. Anyhow, no, it was it, it was a good talk, but it, it also left, I think, people a bit puzzled what that ultimately means for us. But it was also clear she knows really well what, oh, yeah. what she's talking about from a cognitive yeah. science point yeah, of view. Absolutely. There's a lot to explore there as well. Yeah. And the other thing is she brought a lot of um, really nice examples from comics, like how, oh, yeah. how visual techniques are used to create a Yeah, and she also talked about Scott McCloud's work yeah, yeah, and yeah. presenting a lot of examples. That was so really cool. So there's a lot to be learned. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and that's it already. Like, no more, like, I missed the paper sessions as well. So, yeah. no idea. Maybe there were some brilliant were things we totally really missed. Cool. Yeah, yeah, we need to catch up on that. Yeah, we need to catch up. Yeah, on but that. the conference was really good. Lots of good people. Everybody is like, I think everybody left with a really up. In a, in I think a it was mood, one of yeah? the best uh, V's ever. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone wow. is really, really happy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's the Europe effect. <laughs> it's the first time it's in Europe. Yeah. But I think the quality, average quality of papers is really high. Yeah. And even more interesting than that is the average quality of presentations is very high. Yeah. I have seen a lot of uh, students and junior people give amazing presentations. Yeah. I've never yeah. seen that. Yeah. Very well polished ones, very well presented. Mm. Amazing, amazing yeah. work. And I know from my experience that translating uh, an academic paper into a presentation that people can yeah. understand. Yeah. It's not very easy. And the so. challenge is you're working on that for a year or so. Yeah, you're like exactly. in the whole literature. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Deep in the in the you know in the whole yeah. in the whole swamp. Yeah. And then you have to sort of step back and think about I think that the why secret... why should anybody care about that? Like <laughs> yeah. what's the point? Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I think it's important to go through the painful process of looking at your papers and saying, that's just too much details. Yeah. I don't need to, to yeah. explain that, right? Yeah. yeah. And just communicating the gist of it. And as you said, why is this important? Why yeah. is this yeah. useful? Yeah. And I think in this conference we have seen a lot of papers that are not only interesting but also useful in practice. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, from a practical point of view, for instance, the perceptual kernels paper. Yeah. I can directly now, if I have to design a shape palette, you know, I now actually know <laughs> yeah. what the most easily distinguishable shapes are. If I need three, four, five, or seven, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, I, I will know how to, how to make the best out of that. And some of these things I know maybe intuitively, but might be still a bit insecure and other things, you know. Yeah. You have wrong intuitions too, and so that's what science is sometimes even even good for. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. Sure. And so these two things like practical, like use this instead of that. I yeah. think I yeah. had a few yeah. of these yeah. really good like insights on that level. But also the way we teach and discuss about visualization, like mental models oh, that help yeah, us absolutely. explain 
what's actually going on when we put out a chart. And I think some of these two things are the, yeah, the takeaways. I agree. Me. I think some of these papers have a very clear practical impact. Yeah. Some of them are useful for teaching visualization right. as well. Yeah. And um, so the algebraic process one, I think it's going to be a very interesting yeah. model to teach in class. Yeah to give a mental model to students. Yeah. I think yeah. that's really, really useful. What and didn't many, we see, Enrico? Like, is there anything oh, that, that yeah. was missing? There that are was many things we didn't year? see. Probably yeah. a lot of good sessions. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry for the papers we didn't talk no, about. No, but I mean, maybe. like... And then there were there was an amazing uh, Bertan exhibit, oh, yeah. which I, I just visited very briefly. Yeah, I, I feel a little bit <laughs> guilty about yeah. that. Uh, yeah, it doesn't happen that yeah. often. That you but in your perception, were there things that were much more present at last year's conferences that have now maybe have been a bit pushed into the background? Like, I uh, think what's that the, the uh, trending, every trending topics? Every conference is, is very unique. You can mm -hmm. see some little trends. So during the last two editions of this, I saw a lot of stuff about visualizing data coming from Twitter, for instance. Right. And I think this nothing. year there's basically nothing no about social Twitter. Media. Right? No social media stuff. You're right. right? <laughs> it's basically gone. Wow. <laughs> right. You're right. Yeah. And uh, and I see a new trend. I think I. Uh, Not much on explanations. Either like storytelling, explanatory stuff. I haven't yeah. seen a single yeah. paper on that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, even storytelling is kind of like yeah. not really old no longer <laughs> yeah, old school. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. And but I have seen for the first time lots of really good sessions on user studies that have practical yeah. impact or are just very, very interesting. Yeah. Amazing work. Maybe yeah. some of them even from the methodological mm. point of view. Mm. Really, really mm. good stuff. And uh, what else? I, th I think the biggest trend, as I said, is uh, even higher quality. It's always very high quality, but this year is really amazing. Yeah. Right. So that's that's really good. Yeah. And um, I don't know what else we missed. So <laughs> panels probably we yeah. missed. Yeah. Panels are always good. I really like panels, but I missed yeah. most of them. So if if you if you have been here or you spot something where you say like, oh, this should be mentioned, drop oh, us yeah, a line. Please, yeah, please, us a line. let us know. Yeah, because we cannot. We might have mentioned some, some exactly. really good stuff, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, and generally let us know what you think. And if you have suggestions for good topics, rate us on iTunes. That would help us with the visibility. Yes. Spread the word. Absolutely. And yeah. And what else? I think, well, we had our meetup. That was the meetup really, was cool. really good. So yeah. if you've been there, you're listening right now thanks for coming that was awesome and we received a lot of really yeah. good feedback we should and do that like once a year there should be a meetup somewhere. so you know, i think like... if you have more comments or suggestions for how we can improve and uh, by now i think you know that we have a sponsor so we can we can probably maybe spend some little money making this show even better that's higher cool. quality yeah. Yeah. Um, more episodes or I don't know I think we can do much better one idea was transcripts Trans having yeah, transcripts like things like this yeah well so we can see but we can see so yeah. if you guys have any suggestions let us know <laughs> cool so cool. I think we have to go yeah I think this was in Paris was great I'm yeah. really excited I'm actually a little sad yeah. that it's over but I'm also relieved because I'm so tired yeah, it's yeah, been yeah. a real marathon being yeah. here too much and eating drinking meeting partying and then trying crazy. to wake up early yeah. in the morning is basically I'm, I'm exhausted uh, but, yeah. I'm so looking forward to my boring office <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <absolutely>. <laughs> to my gray little world <laughs> yeah okie doke cool okay yeah I enjoyed it as well and uh 
the oh, next show. Sorry, I forgot to tease you. What? So we finally managed to have you here. That's true. I've been teasing you for many, yeah. many months or even yeah. years. So I hope you so enjoyed it and that you yeah. will be attending <laughs> this again in the future. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We could give a little outlook. So the next show we will do with Tamara Munzner, who we yes. also met here. Yes. And she finally put out her book and it's been in the making for years and everybody has been waiting for it. And so we hope she'll tell us a bit about that and maybe just general, she's amazing. She has like, yeah. she knows a lot about the whole field and it's going to be a fun conversation. Absolutely. And after that, we have an episode lined up with Nicholas Felton. So that's... Uh, so we will manage to talk about quantified self. Yeah. Eventually. Like measuring yourself and yeah. making you as a data point. That should be interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So that's something to look forward to also for us. And thanks for listening in. And See you soon. Bye. Data Story is supported by Tableau Software, helping people see and understand their data. Get answers from interactive dashboards wherever you go. For your free trial, visit Tableau Software at T-A-B-L-E-A-U. Once again, T-A-B-L-E-A-U software.com slash data stories. Don't forget to put slash data stories because it's very important that they know that you're coming from us. Thanks a lot for supporting us with this. Bye.